Hello, this is Mrs. Paranormal. It's 2.28 on a Monday afternoon with the wind chill in Wisconsin. It feels like 20 degrees. Yeah, it's a cold day out there. So I actually took, I had the day off today, a little bit of spare time. So I thought I'd give you guys some interesting, scary stories. Well, haunted stories, ghosts, you know me, paranormal stuff. Hope everybody's doing well. You had a great uh, Christmas almost a vacation great christmas and a wonderful new year's eve thank you everybody for taking the time to listen to my podcast and no obviously that was not my last podcast for the that was for 2021 but we're starting all over 2022 so yay thank you guys for following me through the new year uh you guys can always follow me at wisconsin investigators of the supernatural give us a like we're up to 311 followers which is awesome you have any great ghost stories, feel free to message me on Facebook. You can email me at p-a-t-t-y-i-n-w-i-gmail.com. Go for it. So, any good ghost stories you guys got? Anything? Nothing? Something? Come on, you guys can share with me. There's one guy named Curtis who shares stories with me all the time. So, come on, guys, feel free to do it. You want me to put it on the podcast? I will. It'll be on Mononymous, as usual. No? Yes? Okay, fine. All right. So, uh, I did find some quick stories this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're kind of local. They're mostly in Illinois. A couple of Illinois, one in Iowa. But I thought they were kind of cool. So, let me go ahead and read some of these background stories of these places that I found. Whoops. Gotta find it. Sorry. Had it. Lost it. All right. So, there's the most popular one right now. It's called The Night at the Farrar House. Now... This one is actually in Iowa. It's very, very popular. Um, sorry. The team Fox Valley... Oh, what do they call Fox Valley Paranormal Investigators, I think is their full name. They investigate there all the time, or they used to. I don't know if they're doing it anymore. Sorry about that, guys. I had to get my Dunkin' sip in. You know me. <laughs> Love my Dunkin'. All right, so anyways, they go there all the time, and... You have to book a tour. It's a haunted school, supposedly. I, um, I've heard of it. I've never obviously been there. Me and Amanda, you know, my Amanda from um, our team, we're talking about August, September to either check out Penn State or Waverly. I think Penn State's closer to us from Wisconsin. I think it's only like an eight-hour trip, which is like done in half a day or whatever. And it'd be like, um, maybe like a Friday through Monday kind of a thing. So that's what I'm thinking. Uh, we're, it's obviously a long ways away. I don't even want to think that far ahead. But that's what she's thinking for her time frame. And I'm limited on vacation time. So we'll see, guys. If you want, if it sounds good, you want to vote and say, yeah, you guys should go to Waverly. Yeah, you guys should go to Penn State. Anchor does have an option for you guys to leave me a voicemail. You know that, right? Or you can email me if you want to. Hmm? Hmm? Come on. Give me some feedback, people. <laughs> Anyways. Feeling kind of funky right now. It's really cold out, like I said. With the wind chill, it feels like negative 20 degrees. It's the kind of wind that you have got to dress in layers. Um, it burns your sinuses like hell. As soon as, the, even if you're wearing like a scarf, the burning sensation is nuts and your head freezes. So yeah, it's... It's bad. So that's why I hate January. I mean, honestly, January is the coldest month, I would say, of 
for Wisconsin and other states. Then you get February and then you get more snow, you know. But January just freaking, oh my god, you guys, it's crazy. Let's see. All right, babbling on as I do. Now, I know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's called the Farrar Schoolhouse. Got its start in 1919 when a local man named C.G. Gedzi <laughs> agreed to donate six acres of his farm for a new school that would merge all of the area's rural one-room schoolhouse under one roof as Washington Township consolidated school district. The cornerstone of the building was laid in 1921, and the school was dedicated a year later, April 1st, 1922. A grand celebration with food and live music was held out, hundreds was held, and hundreds a- attended from all over the countryside. Although not all were pleased with the new building and its 100000 price tag, one disgruntled citizen refused to attend the celebration, calling it a monument to the arrogance and vanity of the school board with its boiler heated electric lights and indoor bathroom facilities. Are you kidding me? They didn't want that kind of um, improvement. So it's got to be one, right? The school operated for many years, although enrollment steadily declined with the shrinkage of the nearby towns. The town of Farrar <laughs> was eventually absorbed into Maxwell, Iowa, and a decision was made to close down the school. On May 3rd, 20, or 2002, not that long ago, another grand banquet was held in honor of the school and its alumni, and the schoolhouse closed its door for the last time. The old school sat empty until December 2006, when Jimmy and Nancy Oliver purchased the building. It became their home with hopes of slowly restoring excuse me, the school to its original appearance and layout. But they found... They found but they soon found out that they were not in the school. They were not alone in the schoolhouse. They soon discovered, with decades of students and employees already knew that the school was haunted, there were long-time reports of mysterious voices, slamming doors, phantom footsteps, and shadowy figures that appeared in the hallways and stairwells that inexplicably vanished. At first, the Olifers dismissed the strange happenings, but they soon became too eerie to ignore. One day, Nancy became unsteady on some stairs and fell a, oh, and felt a solid hand on her shoulder that helped her catch her balance. She turned to thank her husband for help, to find that there was no one there. Since that time, the Olivers and the others have had many other weird experiences. Visitors have told many strange stories about the school, including disembodied voices, phantom footsteps, knocking, tapping, ringing sounds as cries and yells, and even laughter, and even a sighting of a full-blown apparition. So that's kind of neat, right? That's a furrower house, and again, I've known of it, it's, it's in Iowa... Uh, that team Fox Valley, they've gone out there a few times. So that that's a... Oh, here's one. The old Baraboo Inn, guys. Now, what's funny about this story, I have to tell you, is that me and Amanda were looking for places that we've been wanting to investigate. And I had mentioned to her a couple of years ago, you guys. Now, this is going like back three or four years ago. Before the Baraboo was as popular as it is now. Okay? 
it was there, but it wasn't really known, you know, that kind of thing. Now that freaking place is beyond popular. It's been on the, the one of those ghost channels, travel channels. So it's, it's freaking crazy how the place is literally blown up. The only thing I don't really care for is that you can drink prior to investigating. I'm not really cool about that. You know, because if you've ever been on a public investigation, um, and there's been people drinking, they get giggly and, <laughs> oh my God, and they get like, you know, stupid, honestly, you guys. So that's the only thing I don't like about it. That's why I'm kind of holding back. But anyways, me and Amanda were talking about that place freaking, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe. Now look at it. It's freaking gone crazy. So. All right. The old Baraboo Inn. Wisconsin. It's in Wisconsin, yes. It's uh, infamous history and mysteries and and hauntings. Dating back more than a century and a half to its day as a tavern, brothel, and weekend hangout for Chicago mobsters. Like Al Capone. Yeah, you've seen on the Travel Channel, see? And even the Food Network. I didn't know about that one. But now you can discover it. It really haunted yourself. And they talk about how you can join them for the investigation. Here's the story of the background. The old Baraboo Inn, located just across the street from a railroad depot that offered easy access to the Windy City, Chicago, was built as a boarding house back in 1864. As the years passed, it also operated as a honky-tonk bar and a brothel. It was also known as a favorite dive bar for vacation, for vacation gangsters like Capone. I swear, if somebody were able to take, I don't know, some type of map of Wisconsin and track freaking Al Capone, I swear to God, that man has been in every freaking bar in freaking Wisconsin. I swear to God, he's gone anywhere from from Milwaukee, Sheboygan, freaking uh, Baraboo, which is in, I just forget what city they're in, to Plymouth, Wisconsin, to Falls. I mean, this Al Capone dude, which we all know who he is, has been Everywhere out here, everybody, every bar, I'm pretty sure any bar you go into, there's even Al Capone's, there's two Al Capone's, one in Manitowoc, it's an Al Capone's bar, and there's another one way out in the county, supposedly still has the bullet holes in the uh, restaurant, and then there's one way up north, it's a, uh, it's a, like a B&B kind of a place, that was actually, you know who investigated there, it was Josh Gates the one up north. And me and my husband have been talking about going there for a long time. We never made it because it's, it's quite a ways away. And they open up like freaking four in the afternoon. It's like, really? To have dinner? It's like a steakhouse kind of place. So, but anyways, you can have bull- bullets in the walls and, and that's where they originally hit out. And that's where some of the gangsters were. And yes, Al Capone is mentioned there, but and this man has been all over Wisconsin. It's crazy. All right. Sorry. There goes that squirrel. Mm-hmm. Can talk about it. Capone, who has a documentary history with the tavern. Capone had a summer vacation hideout near... Near where? I don't know. C-O-U-D-E-R-A-Y. Cougary? Wisconsin. And it's believed that he passed through Baraboo. Baraboo, Wisconsin. Duh. Um, (laughs) Through Baraboo. Excuse me. During the trips to the North Woods and dropped in at the old Baraboo Inn. The tavern, which may have also been used as a winery and brewery during its history, closed in 1998 due to disastrous to a disastrous fire. It remained abandoned for the next 14 years, and it was purchased by B.C. Farr, 
in 2002. He began to renovate, renovate to reopen the tavern and soon discovered that his new building had a violent and unnerving history. He learned through the local lore that multiple people had died in the place, including three prostitutes and two former owners. Dun, dun, dun. And he also learned firsthand that it was haunted. Strange incidents began while the restoration work was being completed. As we all know, that's very normal. Lights turned on and off. Doors open and closed. Tools vanished and turned up in other places. Everything we put away when the crew left for the night and rearranged by the time they returned the next morning. And the strangest, and the strangest continued after the place opened for business. When the upstairs apartment used to be rented out, the tenants reported hearing loud piano music and playing and people talking and laughing in the middle of the night. Staff members reported dishes and utensils flying off storage racks. Brooms moved across the kitchen by themselves. Glasses on the bars moved around and then disappeared. There have been sightings of a woman in the bar known as Mary, who allegedly bled to death in the early 1900s. She's often seen in the bar area dancing near the jukebox. Or is it jukebox? I would say jute, but I think it's juke. Hmm. Another female spirit appears upstairs knocking on the doors, pacing the hallway, and making a nuisance of herself. One night, she reportedly called a man's name and scratched on his door until he fled the building. There's also a presence of somebody in the basement that will let people know that if it likes you or does not like you. Uh, let's see what else. A staff member might find themselves locked in. <laughs> locked in, the light turned off, but if the ghost likes you, it might open the door by itself. This is in the basement um, area, in the cooler, apparently. Thanks to his own encounters, Farr has come to believe the place is haunted. He has lost both tenants and employees because of the strange events that, play, that take place here, but doesn't seem to mind the residents or ghosts. He believes they're happy with the fact that he's returned to the place to his for he he thinks that they're happy because he replaced a he <laughs> he returned the place back to its you know former glory. So this is actually very popular. If you guys have not heard of the Baraboo Inn, it's very very popular. It's all over the place. Um, what else do we got here? Do do do. What else? What else? They've got some good stories. I've missed this website. I haven't read from this website in a long time. I just got to find. Here we go. Baraboo Inn. What else do we got? Edinburgh. We know Edinburgh. I try to find something I'm not, I don't know of. Night at Velia. Night at Vi, Vi, Good Lord. Velia Catherine. Quincy, Illinois. You know, when I first moved to Wisconsin, I did say Illinois. Just so you know, I did have that S on there until somebody corrected me. said, Patty, it's Illinois, not Illinois. Then why is the S there? Drop it, right? Okay, sorry. All right, so Villa Catherine, built on the high bluffs overlooking the Mississippi River, this Moorish castle was created by an eccentric millionaire named George Metz, who abandoned the house after the death of his only companion. Aww. At the end. <laughs> Kidding. Did you guys really think I was done doing the paranormal podcast when I put that on my last podcast? Did you really think that? Oh, I would never leave you guys. Just like I know you'd never leave me, right? Right. Okay. 
All right. For years, the house did as a tribute to the one man's dreams of bringing the exotic regions of the world to a small river town of Quincy. It, oh, Quincy, Illinois. Okay. It became a museum for all of the exotic wanderers, souvenirs, and furnishings that the Mets brought back from his travels to the Middle East and Africa. The castle captured the imagination of the townspeople and of reporters who wrote, excuse me, wild stories of the wealthy Mets. A man so rich that he never worked a day in his life, must be nice, and traveled the world instead. Speculative tales were written about Villa Catherine, the origins of the house's name, about Metz himself, the mysterious, mysterious owner of the bizarre house. I wonder if you could do tours there. That'd be kind of neat. In time, the house was abandoned and fell into a state of decay. Aww. Its strange history added fuel to the weird stories about the house, where now only the ghosts of the past still dwelled. Villa Catherine, the current tenants of the place can assure you, is haunted, but it's a ghost unlikely any that have most ever encountered before. Construction began in, on the usual house in the 1900s, and the stories of the oddly be- stories of the oddity began to spread through newspaper stories and local gossips at a short <coughs> excuse me a short time later. The favorite story seemed to be that Metz built the house in mourning of a lost love. It was said that he met a fair hair blue-eyed woman in the in Germany. Okay. He met her in Germany and together they had discovered the beauty of homes in the exotic regions of North America. On which his base, in which he based the design of his home, own home, Metz planned to bring his love back with him to his villa on the banks of Mississippi, but his bliss was short-lived. Sadly, she refused to come to Quincy. Broken-hearted, Metz re- retired to a ex- re-exclusive life in the newly completed villa. Metz's refusal to deny or confirm the story fueled gossip and speculation ran rampant, but little, little record, huh? But little record about Metz's world travers remains, except when it was related to the house and the collection of the furniture and design of the pieces of, of the building. Metz became part of the house himself and part of its legend. Its history would not only create George Metz, it would destroy him too. Metz lived in a villa, sorry, Metz lived at Villa Catherine as a bachelor for 12 years, during which he wrote. There was never a slightest hint of scandal, although the exotic structure inspired many grotesque stories. Quote, unquote. He was not a total recluse, though. Friends often visited him, and he even hosted a wedding in 1904. He had many friends. However, his only constant companion in the house was his beloved dog, Bingo. Aww. Brought over from Denmark by the Metzes after one of his trips. Bingo was a... 212 pound Great Dane that was rumored to be the largest dog in America. Metz had a special edition built for the dog off the kitchen. When Bingo died, he buried he buried him on the grounds of the estate. Forced with the loss of a longtime friend, a cloud descended over Metz's dream, plunging him into the terrible depression. Out of fear of his safety and because of his age and his ability to climb stairs and care for the house, Metz's relatives urged him to sell the place. Finally, in 1912, he did. Excuse me. One day, a visiting couple who pro- professed a great interest in the house prevailed on him prevailed on him to sell them. To sell to them. Sorry. 
Their enthusiasm convinced Metz that they would be the ideal occupants for the villa, and he sold the house and all of its furnishings to them. Little did he know that the buyers were actually agents for the Alton Quincy Interturban Railroad, who planned to tear down the house and build a rail yard on the site. What? Word got out and vandals word got out and vandals descended on the mysterious housing carried off the decorations and furniture, turning the place into ruins. Aww. Metz returned to the home one more time in 1913 with a reporter from St. Louis. St. Louis? Yeah. The house was overrun with vermin and birds. The tinted walls were stained and destroyed. That's terrible. And what little furniture remained was shredded. He left it, vowing never to return to this ruin again. Nineteen years later, Metz did come back for one final visit, returning this time with a reporter from the, de- excuse me, from Decatur, to find the villa crumbling in decay. I wish this place were mine again, he said. I'd tear it down, quote unquote. George Metz never George Metz never lost his love for the Mississippi River, or for Quincy. After leaving Villa Catherine, he lived in the succession of apartments, excuse me, with a wide view of the river, which made him happy. Uh, first at the Hotel Newcomb, then the second floor of a house, and finally at a Lincoln Douglas Hotel. He spent most of his spare time feeding the birds and squirrels in the Quincy Parks. Poor health finally took him to St. Vincent's Hospital, where he died from pneumonia in 1937. Poor man. Villa Catherine survived the treacherous of the Alton Quincy Interban Railroad, and it passed into the lives of uh, sorry, decayed of owners. Retail, oh, okay. So it went from owners, renters, caretakers, many of whom spoke of odd happenings in the house. So that so the railroad place didn't tear it down. Good. Uh, they told stories of lights that behaved strangely, doors of mystery slammed shut, objects that had vanished, and the sounds of footsteps pacing around and around the pool in the center of the villa. There's a pool inside. Many believe that George Metz, restless spirit, had returned to watch over the place. Was he filled with despair because of the the house and how it became in ruins? Or did he simply love the villa so much that he never wanted to leave it? After many years of neglect and decay, the villa was finally saved by the Friends of the Castle, a nonprofit group who leased the building from the Quincy Park District and began working to restore it. It has since been transformed into a tourist and cult- cultural center, and it's open today for new generational of generation of people to visit the weird castle for themselves and possibly experience a lingering ghost. Villa Catherine is also the home to local tourists and con- convention office, and staff members assure me a few years ago that there is a ghost that haunts this house. They don't believe that is George Metz, however, but rather the faithful dog, Bingo. No one knows how or why he stayed behind in the villa after, you know, after death. Perhaps it was George Metz George's Mets enduring the affection for the dog that kept him from passing on to the other side. Whatever the reason for his presence, staff members have often reported hearing clicks, clicking of, bingo, of his uh, toenails on the tile. They've often heard the sound of a quiet. He, they have often heard the sound in the quiet of the afternoon, in or early evenings after visitors have departed for the day. Well, that's kind of neat, right? Those are cool stories. What else do I got? Is this fun? This is fun. Oh, let's see. <laughs> All right. Oops, did it again. Oopsie, I did it again. Dun, 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 dun. 
what else we got? One more. One that I'm not. Some of these I, I read. Um, Mothman, we know who that is. Gettysburg, we know. I'm trying to find something different. Haunted New Orleans, New Orleans books. What? This is a book book? I think that's like a book to buy a book kind of a thing. I think. Look, we don't want to know that. Oh, let's see. What do we got here? Well, that's pretty much it. I'm running kind of out of time. I've got like five minutes left. So, so far... My house has been relatively quiet, nothing to report. I do have my ghost balls and uh where was I think I told you guys, right? When I did the investigation on New Year's Eve. Maybe I didn't. Anyways, I was in the basement doing my investigation and I had a couple of ghost balls out. I actually had a total of five out and one excuse me. I was not recording at the time because I'm like, well, you know, what are the odds? So anyways, um, nothing on the, on, nothing on the recorder that I can find, but while I was sitting there just, you know, asking questions and stuff like that, one of the ghosts, well, I'll back up. I'm sorry, you guys. So I'm asking questions. And one of the things I said, are you happy? And one of the ghost balls actually lit up, lit up after I said, are you happy? And I'm like, all right, good to know. So my question is, if the ghost is confirming they're happy, now what? Do I still try to communicate with him? You know, or 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 what? I don't know. I am just like kind of stumped on that. I don't know if I should. If they're happy, I'm not gonna bug them. You know, I don't want to be that person. So that happened on New Year's Eve. I stayed up until one thirty. I think I was doing the investigation. That's about it. K two didn't go off at all. I did not have the REM pod down there because it's too chilly. Uh. I could have probably turned off the temperature sensor thing. But yeah, that's about it. Just one ghost ball went off. That was it. And then I had the ghost ball in here on my office area, and it went off for some random reason. I don't know yet. And then that's it for that. But speaking of communication and all that, I watched the newest uh, episode of Ghost Hunters, and I'm really happy that they're back, by the way. So... It was kind of interesting. What I do is I go through the alphabet. You know, I tell me, I say, you know, what's your name? A, B, C, and then that kind of thing. I don't know how many spirits are in this house, but a lot of times I get different. Every time I've done it, I don't get reactions every time. But when I do it, <coughs> when I do it, I get different reactions. That The interactions that I do get are different than what I got before. Like this one, are you happy? I, I've never had a reaction before. But sometimes I can go through the whole alphabet and I can get like a letter. I can get the year, things like that. So I don't know how many spirits really reside here. More than one is what I think. Or they just come whenever they want and they come and go. Anyways, on Ghost Hunters, Jason's daughter, Satori, and her boyfriend were helping out with the investigation, right? And they do this thing where they hold hands and she talks to the spirits and she goes, Okay, I'm going to go through the alphabet and you, you know, if they're making noise or whatever, they go, you... Make a noise if you hear whatever your first letter is. Kind of like, it's almost like a verbal Ouija. Okay? Anyway, she started doing that. I just started chuckling to myself because I'm like, that's what I do in my basement. And then I go through the years. What year were you born? 19, I go back. as I start off at 19, 
40 and I go forward because, well, this house is 1928, 24. So I have to, you know what I mean? I kind of try and gauge it. Sometimes I get no reaction. I think I got a reaction when I hit the 1950s is when one time I had a reaction to the ghost ball or the K2, one or the other. It was a while ago, you guys. I don't remember. <laughs> so anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting watching them do that. They hold hands and then they go through the alphabet and, the, you know, they get communication. I thought it was a good episode. I, I'm just glad to see everybody back. Um, so yeah, that happened on New Year's Eve. I haven't really been down there since because I just haven't made the time for it. So I have the ghost balls in here and they're, they're, they're on. And I've, I've told the spirits, Hey, just go ahead and touch them. And I'm still trying to figure out when the best time to interact with my spirits. I'm finding it's kind of late at night, like after midnight, you know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. You guys trying to figure all that out. So do you have any ghost stories you want to hear? Here? No. Do you have any ghost stories you want to share? Is what I was trying to say. Not here. Share. Please feel free to do so. If it's too much writing, you're just not in the mood, that's cool. You can always leave a voicemail. I don't know how long the Anchor voicemail time slot is, but feel free to do that. Uh, so far, this New Year is just uh, another year, you know. No major goals set for me. I don't usually do that. I don't do the whole um, uh, resolution or whatever they call it. So I don't even remember anymore. I just go and go. I just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just another day. You just got to remember to write the 22 if you do checks and all that. Um, that's about it. So I thought I'd, like I said, pop on really quick because I had some spare time. Give you guys a couple of ghost stories from here in my area-ish. And I will guide. Oh, yeah. And I'm definitely going to go back to, to the asylum this year. I don't know when. But that's all being in the works right now with Fox Valley. Uh, they're slowly bringing out schedules, you know, hey, when are you available? I'm thinking May, sometime after May. April's going to be too cold still. I'd rather go through May and June when there's like some good thunderstorms and stuff, but I have to wait for uh, Kane to contact me or Melissa to contact me uh, as far as, you know, what day. And I told him Saturdays work best because I work on Fridays till 5 and it's just kind of hard to get off at 5 o'clock and then Hopefully I don't get a late call and then fly out there by 6 or 6.30. It's kind of kind of tough. Whole new crew of people again. Sarah's coming back. I'm coming back. And that's it. Everybody else that's coming back this year, other than two other investigators, that's a couple. I don't know any of them. There's a lot of newbies coming in, which is fine. I'm not doing the lead. I'm not doing the training. I'll just be uh, guiding and assisting. So, um, what else? That's it, man. I got nothing else. So you guys, thank you so much for taking this 30 minutes out of your day, your evening, whatever it is you're doing, your lunch hour, your lunch break, your break break. You're bored. You just want to hear me talk about silly ghost stories. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And feel free, you know, to communicate with me. If you don't want to, you just want me to keep talking, then I will do that. And Curtis, you know who you are. And thank you so much for the most recent one with the railroad. I didn't really, it's really small print, so I haven't had a chance to like, um, open it up and read it but speaking of print I'm going to try on my next paycheck try to get a uh, wireless printer why so I can print stories out maybe things like that or if you guys have any photos you want to send me you know of like oh I've got this now I'm not 100% on the whole orb thing just so you guys know I'm I I'm not 100% on the orbs I've never been you know I'm not really big on that so if you have an orb yes I'll take a look at your pictures if you guys have any photos 
You can send them to me. I am a experienced paranormal investigator. I almost said paranormal photographer. <laughs> paranormal investigator. For all you new listeners, I've been investigating from 2010 to current. So I do have experience. You have any stories, you have any concerns, photos, feel free to let me know, okay? And if I don't have the answer, I have plenty of people that I can ask for advice or help, okay? That is on a serious note. But now on a more fun note, you guys all take care. And I'll try and do a podcast maybe next weekend. We'll see. So in other words, this is Mrs. Paranormal signing off.